I Lived with a Killer is part of the Real Crime Collection in the Reels Files on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to get new episodes each Thursday. Then, go to Reels.com to find chilling programs like this when you watch TV. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com for the Real Crime series and specials you'll find only on Reels Channel. Donnie Brasco, starring Johnny Depp and Al Pacino, is a Hollywood blockbuster. But the real-life friendship between hitman Lefty Guns Ruggiero and FBI agent Donnie Brasco is the stuff of legend. Lefty's granddaughter Ramona knows the real man behind the myth. Whatever people may claim that he did, to me, he'll always just be my grandfather. Lefty rises through the ranks of one of New York's most powerful crime families. He was making a reputation for himself as a stone-cold killer. Until Donnie Brasco brings him down. Operation Donnie Brasco was one of the most successful undercover operations the FBI ever conducted. And Ramona makes it her mission to set the record straight. I said, Mr. Pacino, I want to talk to you about Lefty Guns, my grandfather. Benjamin Lefty Guns Ruggiero is a trusted hitman for New York's powerful Bonanno crime family. By his 50s, he's believed to be responsible for dozens of mob hits, but also for bringing ruin to the family. For six years in the late 70s and early 80s, the Bonanno crime family is infiltrated by the FBI in one of the most successful undercover operations of all time. Through his friendship with the so-called Donnie Brasco, Ruggiero gives the FBI access to trusted Bonanno family secrets. But with his own family, Ruggiero is careful to hide his illegal activities, especially from favorite granddaughter, Ramona. Ramona Rizzo, granddaughter. Not knowing what my family situation was, if I was to look back, I would think that's like an American postcard. But, you know, there was a lot of things I didn't know at that time. But if you were to look at our photos, you would be like, yeah, that's like an American family. In 1977, Ramona Rizzo walks the streets of New York's Little Italy with 51-year-old grandfather Benjamin Ruggiero. I was my grandfather's not only first grandchild, but I was his first granddaughter. So I was a.k.a. the princess for life, to him anyway. When I used to walk around the neighborhood with my grandfather, it was like kind of walking around with the local mayor. Everyone knew him. It was like kind of like a little local celebrity in his neighborhood. As Ruggiero's granddaughter, Ramona is treated like a celebrity as well. When I was a little girl, I used to love Shirley Temples. He's like, bring her whatever she wants, just give it to her. And that's kind of how I was brought up. Ruggiero receives this star treatment because in Little Italy, He's known as a connected man. It's been that way for most of his life. Michael Vecchione, retired Brooklyn district attorney. Lefty grew up in the days when old-time mafiosi were looking for kids to recruit. And they looked in the streets. They would look for guys who were tough. They would look for guys who were smart. People who could handle themselves. Lefty was the kind of guy that would make a perfect soldier in the mob. And the people who were recruiting recognized that very quickly. Ruggiero is recruited into the Bonanno crime family as a young man. Beth Terry, 
legal analyst. The Bonanno family was one of five major organized crime families in New York. They were into a host of crimes like jewelry theft and truck hijackings and loan sharking, gambling, fixing horse races and lotteries. I mean, you name it, they were into it. Ruggiero is a Bonanno family foot soldier. He gets the nickname Lefty because he throws his dice with his left hand. And he got the nickname Guns, or Two Guns, because he used to carry two guns when he went out on a hit. In those days, gangsters had access to sort of old, well-used handguns, and often one of them would jam. So Ruggiero liked to have a backup. As Lefty rises through the Bonanno family ranks, he becomes a trusted hitman. Ruggiero was making a reputation for himself as a stone-cold killer. He does what he's told and carries out his jobs with no questions asked. Word on the street was that by the mid-1970s, Ruggiero had carried out more than two dozen mob hits. But Ruggiero is also a dedicated family man. Despite separating from his wife, he remains devoted to his four children and maintains a special bond with young Ramona. Growing up from a young girl to actually even in my teens, the only person that could honestly get me to do anything was my grandfather. So if somebody wanted me to do something and I didn't want to do it, they would go to him so he would kind of like say, hey, Ramona, what about this? Or the way that he put it, I never, ever refused him anything he ever asked me to do. He was the only person that I knew at that time in my heart that I truly loved. It was just the bond that we had. Lefty has enough power to make young Ramona's dreams come true. But he's getting older and still hasn't achieved the status he desires. Lefty had been arrested, but he always beat the charges, so he never went to jail or prison. And he remained very loyal to the mob. But the family refused to make him a made man. To be a made man is the ultimate in terms of mob membership. They're inducted into organized crime for life. There is a ceremony in which they burn a picture of a saint in the hand of the new recruit, and essentially there is a kind of a chant or a little saying that goes along with that, which says, if you betray one of us, may you burn like this saint. And from that point on, the made man is protected. No one can touch him. If anybody touches him, then there is repercussions by the other members of the family. There's a reason the Bonanno family won't give Lefty the promotion he's hoping for. He has a gambling addiction. He loved, loved, loved to gamble. And he loved his horses. Gambling was just part of his everyday world. And unfortunately, he lost a lot of money doing it. By 1977, Lefty's love of gambling has him $160,000 in debt. Ruggiero couldn't become a made man in the Bonanno crime family until he paid off his gambling debt. See, there's no way he could funnel money to the family if he's paying off this really big debt. Essentially, the mob and the people who ran the family did not want him to be distracted from making money and passing money up the chain to the Don. So he had to take care of this gambling debt before they inducted him. While crippled by financial losses, Lefty meets a man named Donnie Brasco. The guy who said his name was Donnie Brasco used to play craps in a New York club that mobsters used to go to. So one day, Brasco gives a whole bunch of diamonds. He said there were stolen diamonds to the bartender and asked him if he could help sell them. And a few weeks later, the bartender did so. And he handed him an envelope full of cash. So from that point forward, Donnie Brasco was known as Don the Jeweler. 37-year-old Brasco claims he's a burglar and jewel thief. 
and the Bonanno family takes notice. A Bonanno family member named Tony Mira met Donnie Brasco and introduced him to Ruggiero. Now, as far as Mira and Ruggiero were concerned, Brasco was a very successful jewelry thief and making a lot of money, and that would be good for the family. He was a good fit. They liked the guy. Not long after they meet, Lefty becomes like a mentor to Brasco. In a weird way, it was like kind of like a father-son. You know, he kind of took him under his wing. Ruggiero thought that Brasco could be a real solid earner for the Bonanno family and help him pay off his gambling debts. That would put him in good standing with the family. But what Lefty doesn't know is that Donnie Brasco is really an undercover agent for the FBI named Joe Pistone. Joe Pistone, a.k.a. Donnie Brasco, is probably the most famous undercover agent in history. In the Hollywood film version, he's played by Johnny Depp. Joe Pistone was an FBI agent who was recruited by the FBI to go undercover in the mob. Their idea was to have him infiltrate a mob family. And he was a perfect candidate because he came from New Jersey, knew the ways of the mob, knew the way they talked, the way they acted, the way that they dressed. And all of that was very important to his survival because he had to fool people who were killers. And if he did not fool them, he'd be a dead man. I've seen him in numerous interviews and a lot of his mannerisms, a lot of the things that he does say, it kind of does remind me of people that I knew that, you know, were around my grandfather. Unbeknownst to Ruggiero, Brasco's stolen jewels actually belong to the FBI. Joe Pistone went to gemology classes to come off as a jewelry expert. The FBI gave him access to all kinds of jewels from their evidence locker. So the jewelry would go from the FBI to Pistone and Pistone to the mob, where Pistone, as Donnie Brasco, said that he stole them. It was a great setup. Ruggiero had no clue what was happening. In the first year of their partnership, Brasco gives Lefty the boost he's been looking for. Every time Ruggiero sold jewelry that Brasco gave him, Brasco kept 50%. Ruggiero had the other 50%, but half of that he gave to the Bonanno family. With Lefty's fortunes changing, the Bonanno family takes note. In the summer of 1977, with the help of Joe Pistone, Lefty Ruggiero was ultimately inducted into the mob, became a made man. After that, the friendship between Brasco and Ruggiero deepened. Ruggiero started telling Brasco about other Bonanno family associates and a host of crimes they were involved in. Brasco took that information and passed it on to the FBI, who started building a case against the entire family. Ruggiero is more tight-lipped with his young granddaughter. It becomes a family rule that Ramona is not to know the truth about her grandfather's life. My family is a very secretive family. Whatever reasons they felt that they had to hide certain things to protect, you know, me and my sister and my cousin, that was their choice as parents, as grandparents and whatnot. I did learn that my grandfather worked on the piers for many years. And I saw other people, what their fathers did. But when it came to grandfathers, I just thought probably at that age, they were just retired. The family secrecy spills over into Ruggiero's personal life as well. When Lefty remarries after his divorce, young Ramona is kept in the dark. My aunt or my grandmother or my mom, they always told me that she was the maid. Lo and behold, fast forward, when all the balloons started popping with all the truth, she was his new wife. By the time of his second wedding, 
Lefty's business partnership with Donnie Brasco has grown into a deep friendship. Brasco acts as best man at the wedding. They had only just met that same year, but they were already really tight. They were working together every day. Ruggiero really thought that Brasco had his back. They were making a lot of money. But violence is about to erupt inside the Bonanno family. The assassination of a mob boss creates a power struggle that tears the crime family apart and puts Lefty in the line of fire. If you like what you're hearing, check out the Real Crime TV series on Reels Channel. You'll find true stories of capital offenders brought to justice, like Chris Watts, the Colorado killer dad, the Turpins, whose children grew up in a real-life house of horrors, and a new report on the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. Reels is your go-to for updates on unsolved murders and insights on the minds of serial killers. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Then, check the top of the screen to find Reels in your area. New York mobster Lefty Guns Ruggiero has been spilling the beans to his new best friend, Donnie Brasco but hiding the truth from his beloved granddaughter, Ramona. Unfortunately for Ruggiero, Donnie Brasco is really undercover FBI agent Joe Pistone, made famous by Johnny Depp. I don't recall meeting Joe Pistone, but if I sit back and I do the numbers, I believe he entered my grandfather's life when I was four, and I was with my grandfather a lot. And if this man was with my grandfather as much as he claims to have been, he definitely had to meet me. I think, and I do believe in my heart, that he got a little bit too close to his job, and I really think that he enjoyed being a gangster. But by the late 1970s, infighting in the Bonanno crime family puts the Donnie Brasco operation in jeopardy. The head of the Bonanno crime family was Philip Rostelli. Rusty Rostelli was his street name, and he was in jail. And while he was in jail, a void in the hierarchy of the family existed, and someone jumped in very quickly. Carmine Galante, the underboss of the family, who himself had just gotten out of jail. And Galante's desire was, A, to take over the Bonanno family, but also to become the most powerful mafiosi in New York, someone who controlled all of five families, and that was a big mistake. Declaring himself the new boss, Galante sets up an elaborate drug ring throughout the city. Part of the problem with Galante is that he was making a lot of money from heroin deals. When someone is making a lot of money, the idea is that he has to kick that upstairs. And Galante, he wasn't sharing it. It's a no-no. And that was a death sentence. In July 1979, Galante is enjoying lunch on an open patio at an Italian restaurant in Brooklyn. It was a beautiful day. Galante was there on the patio with his two bodyguards and two other men. Nearby, three Bonanno family soldiers donned ski masks. Galante finished his lunch and he lit a cigar. Cigars were his signature. He loved his cigars. At 2.45 p.m., three masked men with shotguns walked into the restaurant, onto the patio, shot and killed Galante and two of the other men. The gunman then ran out of the restaurant. Galante was left lying there, dead, with the cigar still in his mouth. The brazen daylight assassination causes a rift in the Bonanno family. 
After the Galante murder, of course, Rusty Rustelli was still in jail, and the Bonanno family split into two factions. Sonny Black Napolitano emerges as head of the faction loyal to Rustelli. Lefty Ruggiero and Donny Brasco fall in line on the Napolitano side. They pledge their loyalty to him and to the official boss, Rustelli. The three captains who were on the other side of the dispute, led by Sonny Red, wanted to take over the family. And obviously, Rustelli was in their way. He was the boss. With battle lines drawn, a chill descends over the mean streets of New York. At first, it was a cold war, not a shootout. Although Sonny Red had a large force of soldiers behind him, he really was reluctant to start a civil war. So he offered to sit down with Napolitano to try and reach a compromise. The truce is delicate. Lefty Ruggiero may be drawn into an all-out shooting war at any moment. I could see his body language was off. It wasn't that he was sad, it was he was distracted. While the heads of the major crime families of New York debate what to do about the troubled Bananos, Donnie Brasco expands his undercover operation in another direction, dragging Lefty along with him. In 1980, Brasco and Ruggiero started loan sharking and bookmaking for Napolitano out of a nightclub in Holiday, Florida, just north of Tampa, called the King's Court Bottle Club. So the club that was opened by Ruggiero, at least he thought he opened it, along with Brasco, was actually run by the FBI. The FBI wanted Brasco to bring Ruggiero down there, establish themselves as mafiosi from New York so that Brasco could infiltrate the Florida mob as well. Ruggiero and Brasco go down there, introduce themselves. They get the imprimatur from the Florida mob, they say, as long as you kick back to us, then you can run whatever you want to run down here is no problem. And the FBI realized now that they had an investigation that had expanded exponentially now. Once again, Brasco helps Lefty make a substantial profit for the Bonanno family and feeds the FBI the names and activities of everyone he meets. Ruggiero's time in Florida is also spent with his granddaughter. My grandfather loved, loved the sun. He'd always have the best tan. The memories I have of my grandfather in Florida were just honestly loving memories, like things that families should do, going to the beach, going to dinners, just sitting there having pool time. He was never in front of me. He was, wasn't those guys of very rah-rah. He was a very well-mannered man. So everything was like, thank you, sweetheart. Hello, darling. Everything was very well-mannered. So I have to say, you know, the times were just like very peaceful while Ruggiero travels back and forth between Florida and New York. Brasco runs the King's Court Bottle Club full-time. For months, Brasco succeeds in deceiving Lefty until he makes a crucial mistake. Part of Brasco's persona was that he was a really plugged-in jewelry thief. He arranged to have this party on this big, beautiful yacht that was in Florida to impress Ruggiero, to impress the mob down there. And the hope, of course, was that once he had shown them what he could do, that they would take him in even more. So he had this party on this beautiful yacht called the Left Hand. And unfortunately, that yacht appeared shortly after that party on the cover of Newsweek, on the front page of the New York Times, because it was used by the federal government in the Abscam investigation. And that created a, a little firestorm. Lefty says nothing to anyone, 
but asks Brasco about the boat. Ruggiero knew it was the same boat because of the name, the left hand. He remembered it. But somehow, Brasco managed to talk himself out of it. They tried to set us up on that. Forget about it. He chastised Brasco, but he kept it to himself rather than to bring it to the people who were running the family. Ultimately, that, uh, that was going to cost them. By 1981, the Bonanno Civil War reaches a breaking point. Ruggiero was one of the best executioners in the Bonanno crime family. So he knew when the time came, his boss, Napolitano, was going to tap him to take out those who had rebelled against the leaders of the family. In April of 1981, the heads of the leading New York crime families finally come to an agreement about the warring factions within the Bonanno family. Ruggiero told Brasco that the Mafia Commission was going to support Napolitano against Sonny Red and the other rebel captains. So they chose the right side. Lefty gets ready for an order from Napolitano to take out Sonny Red and anyone else who opposes them. There was a meeting set up between Sonny Red and Delicato and Sonny Black, Napolitano. And the idea was to um, a sit down, to come together to make a peace so that they could all live in harmony and they could all make money as good banana soldiers. The two groups met in the storeroom of a New York restaurant. It was less a sit-down than a showdown. It was an ambush. It was a bloodbath. Before they're made famous by Al Pacino and Johnny Depp in the Hollywood blockbuster Donnie Brasco, the real-life Lefty Guns Ruggiero, an undercover FBI agent known as Donnie Brasco, become fast friends. When New York's Bonanno crime family splits into two rival factions, the pair fall in line behind boss Sonny Black Napolitano. Ruggiero's granddaughter Ramona is especially close to her grandfather. I picked up on something that was like a little bit off. Nobody had really said anything. It was just the body language. And my grandfather's body language was so off. He wasn't loud. He wasn't aggressive. I don't know. I felt like I saw, because I guess I knew him, something in him was making him nervous. Lefty and fellow members of the Bonanno crime family meet with three rebel captains in the storeroom of a restaurant. No one knows exactly what happened inside the restaurant, but it was an ambush. The Bonanno leadership was settled for good. Napolitano was now acting street boss, and Ruggiero and Brasco had more respect. But the assassinations also offer the FBI a chance to put high-level Bonanno members in jail for murder. So once the three murders occur, it was easy for the FBI to now amp up the investigation and to start collecting as much information both from Brasco, from uh, wiretaps, from witnesses, whoever they could tap into to put the Bonanno family out of business, essentially. Brasco and the FBI record Lefty's every word, hoping to get a taped murder confession. So on May 8, 1981, as part of this amped-up investigation that the FBI is now involved in, where they're taping everything, trying to get as much evidence as possible, they capture a conversation in which Ruggiero tells Brasco, don't worry, we're winners. And that's a major admission on Ruggiero's part, puts him right in the middle of a case that's going to be built by the FBI. But without even realizing it, the Bonanno Brass turned the tables on the FBI. 
Bonanno leaders wanted one more traitor dead, and Napolitano wanted Brasco to deal with it. He ordered Brasco to kill Bruno and Delicato, Sonny Red's nephew, and one of the assassins of Carmine Galante. Sonny Black gives that job to Brasco to do. In fact, he gives him a gun. Now Brasco's in a bind because he's an FBI agent and he can't kill anybody. Lefty is excited that his friend has been given such a great opportunity. In fact, this was the place or the time when Ruggiero realized that, wow, if he does this, he's going to become a made man. They'll make him a made man because he's now killed somebody on behalf of the family. But for Agent Joe Pistone, it's a deal breaker. So now Brasco slash Pistone is at a major crossroads. And the FBI realizes that. So they come up with a plan. They will simply take or attempt to take Bruno and Delicato off the street so that Brasco can't reach them, can't find them, can't kill them. But the FBI's plan fails. They're not lucky. They can't find them. He's gone into hiding, and Brasco now is still under orders to kill Indelicato. Even though he can't find them, he still has this kind of sort of Damocles hanging over his head that he's got to do this or he's going to expose himself. The FBI has no choice but to end the operation. They terminate the identity of Donnie Brasco, and Brasco once again becomes FBI agent Joe Pistone. Pistone was disappointed that he had to blow his cover. No one had ever infiltrated the mob so deeply. When Brasco's true identity is revealed, it destroys the men who trusted him most. On July 28th, FBI agents visited Napolitano's apartment. They told him about Joe Pistone's true identity. Now, they were hoping to rattle Napolitano enough that he would slip up. Napolitano and Ruggiero, they don't believe anything the FBI has said. They actually think the FBI is playing games with them in order to, like, start problems in the family. Lefty and Napolitano may not believe Brasco was a mole, but the rest of the mafia leadership does, and they want blood. Once the whole Pistone Brasco situation is out in the public now the five families all know about it sunny black napolitano is called to a meeting where it's ostensibly going to be a discussion as to what occurred he gets to this meeting he's pushed down the stairs to a basement and he's executed because he's the guy that allowed an fbi agent to infiltrate the banano family despite her young age ramona can sense that behind all the family secrecy something is terribly wrong with her grandfather. I was nine years old and it was my first communion. And again, you would think that this is a day that it's gonna just be all about fun and smiles and you're in a white dress and it should have been all that, but something in him was broken. And how I knew that was he was talking to my mother where, yeah, of course that's his daughter. He's gonna talk to her whatnot, but he was just talking to her too frequent in the party where in a normal scenario, it would have just been all about me, and especially on this occasion, because it's my communion. He didn't make me feel bad. He still treated me special, but I knew something was off. And that's when, honestly, I just basically turned into, like, a nine-year-old PI. That's when things in my family life had changed, and I knew things were different. When he's called to a meeting with the bosses, Lefty knows his days are numbered. Why is guy told me this once? When you get called to a sit-down, you got to go, 
and there's only two things that can happen. You walk home or you never come out of the place. But the FBI picks up chatter that there's a contract out on Lefty's head. So before he makes it to the meeting, the FBI swoops in. The FBI arrests Ruggiero on his way to a meeting where he expected to be murdered. Now, they offer him a way out. They offer him witness protection in exchange for his testimony against the Bonanno family. But he refuses to break the code of silence. Ruggiero will not testify for the government. Lefty and the others are indicted under the RICO Act, a charge that could get them a 20-year prison sentence. The RICO Act is a very powerful weapon that the federal government has at its disposal to use against any crime organization. RICO stands for Racketeer Influence Corrupt Organization, and it's a very simple concept. It is a crime in and of itself to be a member of one of these organizations, even if you as the member don't commit any crimes there are people who commit crimes every day. If those individuals were arrested and it was established that those individuals were part of this organized crime group, then everybody in that group is guilty of a RICO violation simply by the fact that they are a member of that particular group. With Ruggiero in jail awaiting trial, his family continues to keep the truth from young Ramona. I was told that my grandfather was in Florida. And that lie only lasted so long, then I had to do my own investigations. Well, can I call the maid? Because at this point, I wasn't even calling the maid anymore. I wasn't even calling his house. I'm like, did he move to Florida? These answers weren't adding up. Sensing that her family is lying to her, Ramona begins her own clandestine operation to seek out the truth. There were just so many different times that I remember I'll be on the steps listening. So a lot of people had, like, per se, like, loose lips or didn't say, you know what, does the granddaughter know? Does she know what's going on? They just spoke it. I had my own TV at the time. So I'm watching all this stuff on the TV, and I didn't understand what I was watching, but I knew that I was watching something regarding my grandfather. Here I am trying to put everything together, and that was hard because, again, like, most important person I love was gone. Why is he gone? When is he coming back? Never got an answer. So again, pick up telephone calls. My mother was on the phone, there were no cell phones, and I would listen. So I'm doing things that I shouldn't have done, but it was because I wanted to know answers. As Ramona starts to put the pieces together, she feels compelled to hide what she learns from her parents. I was scared to like bring it up to my mom. I didn't want to upset anyone. I didn't want to get maybe yelled at. I didn't want to get in trouble for maybe in a sense being nosy. So. At that point, in that part of my life, it was just, I'm basically dealing with myself. So I'm living with all this animosity, anxiety, hurt. I felt abandoned. I didn't know where he was. It was a lot for, you know, a little kid to deal with. That December, Napolitano's body was found in Mariner's Harbor, Staten Island, New York, with his hands chopped off at the wrist. And that was a sign. His hands were removed because he was responsible for causing an FBI agent to shake hands with members of the mob. Lefty's life hangs in the balance as both the authorities and the mob are determined to bring him down. When low-level mafioso Donnie Brasco is revealed to be an undercover FBI agent, Bonanno hitman Benjamin Lefty Guns Ruggiero is indicted on federal charges. 
His granddaughter Ramona knows that something is terribly wrong, but her family goes to great lengths to keep the truth hidden. I don't think my family did it to hurt me, you know, to punish me. It was just something that, you know, they didn't want maybe to make me get upset, but sadly, it winds up being the opposite. I was extremely hurt, extremely broken, and I was dealing with it by myself. In August 1982, Lefty is found guilty of numerous charges. In addition to being convicted under RICO, Ruggiero was convicted of the underlying crimes, the racketeering crimes, bookmaking, loan sharking, dealing in stolen jewelry, conspiracy to commit murder, and Ruggiero was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Lefty is one of over 100 gangsters Joe Pistone brings down. Operation Donnie Brasco was one of the most successful undercover operations the FBI ever conducted. They were able to secure 200 indictments, over 100 convictions, and were able to get information about the mob that was invaluable for future investigations. When the Mafia family heads learned that Ruggiero refused to testify for the government, they canceled the contract on his life. He had stood by his oath, and he continued to do so even while in prison, refusing every opportunity to give an interview. As Ruggiero gets used to life behind bars, Ramona's family continues to pretend he is merely traveling. I got the phone call, and it was my grandfather, because he would call us religiously. So even though he wasn't with us, you would think the man was with us. And Ramona continues to hide the fact that she suspects the truth. To cope with her grandfather's absence, she begins writing letters. I had to create my own therapy. I would sit there, I would write my grandfather letters that I never ever mailed, asking him questions, saying, what happened, why are you gone, what's going on? Then I would sit there and, believe it or not, sometimes I would write letters back to myself as if it was him, saying, this is what it is, it has nothing to do with you, ignore whatever you're hearing, just remember that I always love you. Then one fateful day, the truth is finally exposed. When I got to bring it to light to my family that I knew my grandfather was in jail, was honestly God's work. My mother and I have the same name, so my grandfather would write us both letters. My mother had handed me a letter. I had read the letter. In the letter, it said, Dear Ramona, you know, whatever, how are you doing? You know, um... It's not too bad in here, something, you know, jail is jail, something pertaining to that. I said, okay, this is my end. Now, mind you, I'm not even 11, but I'm like masterminding all this. How am I going to maneuver this? I said, I'm going to read Papa's letter. So I read it. And with that, dear Ramona, you know, how are you, beautiful, yada, yada. You know, what are you going to do? Hopefully this jail thing, something will give. And just silence in the room. And I look at my mother, she starts hysterical crying. Because now here it is, it's like, you know, the thing that she didn't want to face. You know, I'm her daughter, she loves me, she tries to protect me, protect me from heartbreak. And she knows I love this man more than anything, and she doesn't want to see me upset, nor does she want to, like, open a can of worms and say if I'm going to start asking why. Because, like, a lot of kids are, like, full of whys. Why is he in jail? Why this? I didn't do that to my mother. I didn't start with the whys. All I said was, I want to go see him. That was it. Ramona's mother gives in and takes her daughter to visit Ruggiero in prison. Ramona. I finally get to go see him, and it wasn't in the environment 
that I was used to. It wasn't him wearing the attire I was used to him wearing. It was my grandfather, but it was a whole other different side of the coin. I don't remember a lot of things in my life, but going to that jail, I could tell you what I had on from my watch to my corduroy brown pants to the way my hair was done. I just broke down and I remember just crying and then him talking to me and calming me down and it was kind of like nobody else was in the room. Even though I was like, you know, maybe 10 years old, I could sit here and get ulterior about it too because it just takes you back to that place. Because nobody, you know, regardless if you're nine, if you're 30, nobody wants to go visit somebody they love in jail. I never got to see my grandfather again until I was probably about 17. Ruggiero was released from prison in 1992 after serving 13 years. He was so amazed when he came home. We had walked to the seaport, but to like let him talk about it and the memories that he had and be like, oh my God, this was here and like, look at it now. So many years had gone by and like I prayed on it and I always wished that, you know, he'd come back and things would kind of be like what it used to be. Because again, you know, that was my best friend. Ramona Rizzo is now a young woman. She and her grandfather pick up where they left off. But the legacy of family secrets remains. The issue is my grandfather has cancer and nobody's sitting there telling me that it's terminal. So I go visit him like nothing, like the man's in the best of spirits. I went with him to the treatments and nobody was really telling us anything. And then the next thing I know, the whole family were in ICU. I remember one night going back to visit him and a close family member was coming down and she's like, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm like, what? It's crazy. I'm like, what? And I remember running to the room. On November 24th, 1994, only 13 months after being released from prison, Ruggiero dies of lung and testicular cancer. But his secrets don't die with him. Prior to Ruggiero's death, in 1988, Joe Pistone came out with a book, Donnie Brasco, My Undercover Life in the Mafia. When somebody had presented the Donnie Brasco book to me, I'm a girl that's in my teens. You would think I was this girl that was nine years old again, because now I'm hysterical crying. I skimmed through the book a little bit, and then I said to myself, there's nothing I need to ask because what I know him as is my grandfather. So whatever he did outside of this home, whatever he did with his friends, associates, whatever people may claim that he did, to me, he'll always just be my grandfather. Pistone's book is made into the Hollywood blockbuster Donnie Brasco, starring Johnny Depp as Brasco and Al Pacino as Lefty. I never in a million years think that there would have been a movie. I just wanted to know what was going on. Ramona makes it her mission to protect her grandfather's legacy. So he's going in his trailer, and I'm like, Mr. Pacino, he looks at me. I'm like, I want to talk to you about Lefty Guns, my grandfather. FBI agent Joe Pistone writes a tell-all book, detailing his years spent undercover in the mob, where he poses as Donnie Brasco and befriends hitman Lefty Guns Ruggiero. When the book is turned into a Hollywood film, Lefty's granddaughter, Ramona, makes it her mission to set the record straight about her beloved grandfather. He never brought whatever was allegedly outside into the home. He never brought it to my life. I never saw it, it never affected me. The only time it really affected me was, you know, honestly, when he went away. But again, that was a choice that he chose to make. You know, my grandfather, whatever he decided to do, this was something he was doing before I was born. 
whatever these people want to say about this killer, that killer. I don't know him to be that. Ramona sneaks onto the set of the movie to confront the man playing her grandfather, Hollywood legend Al Pacino. And I knew just in case anybody doubted me, I had my letters and I had my pictures of my grandfather. And I knew the whole place, like the back of my hand. This was in my old neighborhood. So there was no way that if this man was going to be there, that I wasn't going to somehow or another get in touch with him or confront him or whatnot. Ramona waits outside Pacino's trailer for her opportunity. So he's going in his trailer, and I'm like, Mr. Pacino, he looks at me. I'm like, I want to talk to you about lefty guns. I go, my grandfather. He looks at me. One minute. One minute. He was very cordial. I was very nice. Again, there was no animosity towards this man because he's an actor. This is his job. I just wanted to get my point across, and my point was basically, I know you're doing this movie. It's basically about my grandfather. You don't know me. You never met this man, but I'm going to give you a little bit of insight. I said, when it came to my grandfather and his family, he didn't love anything more than how he loved his family. He loved us the most. There was nothing ever. Yeah, he liked to gamble. Yeah, women liked him, whatever. Maybe everybody had their vices. But when it came to his family, he loved us the most. That was like his most important thing in his life. Represents him the way that he, you know, he really was. Pacino explains that the film version of Lefty will be different from the real man. He said, your grandfather, I'm going to take the people around him and kind of make pieces of this guy, that guy, and put it into your grandfather. I didn't get it at the time. I got it later on because in order to sell, you know, old tickets and you want to have lights, camera, action, and you want to keep on eating that popcorn, you kind of need to go out in a bang. And they made him go out in a bang because instead of having my grandfather die of cancer, they made it in the movie that my grandfather was sent for. My grandfather was a murder. My grandfather died of cancer. My grandfather was one of the most immaculate dressers, especially for his time. They made him dress like a schlep, which means like a bum. My grandfather never wore a hat. Al Pacino wears that famous hat. But Al Pacino took his own spin on it, and he created his own character, because that's what actors do. Ramona's meeting with Pacino helps her put an end to the turmoil she is still feeling. Al Pacino was just so charming and just so sweet and really took the time. And I guess he kind of understood where I was going with this. So that kind of like made this really bad situation that seemed like it was never, ever ending. It was like always something from being that nine-year-old girl, then to getting in trouble and hiding that your grandfather was in jail, then to go visiting me as cancer, to actually see him dying. All these things that took place, and now a movie, like he kind of made the ending a little bit better for me. I just wanted the world that was so infatuated with mafia movies to kind of know everything that you see in a movie is not true. So if you're like one of these guys that think crime is life and this is the way to do it, it's really not. There's like so much sadness behind it that people don't get it. From then on, Ramona vows to get out of the mob life. As I grew older and I saw whatever my grandfather went through and the words that it was affiliated with, which was the mob and... I guess the Italian background and I saw are like certain friends, fathers go to jail and a lot of people that I called uncles and, you know, a lot of aunts cry and homes be separated. I kind of had this issue with myself that I didn't want to date anybody that was, you know, Italian. Ramona marries an Arab businessman, but when the marriage breaks down, she finds herself in Jordan fighting to obtain a divorce and custody of her children. It was kind of like the movie not without my daughter because 
three of my children, three, had passports to come back. I have four kids. The last one, her passport was only good for a year. So even though I'm an American citizen, and even though the father wasn't an American citizen, I still needed him to sign off. So it became like a battle. Stuck in Jordan for over three years, Ramona draws on her memories of her grandfather to give her strength. I started having conversations with my grandfather in this room that I lived in, in Jordan. I really felt like I was talking to him because I was asking the questions and when they were coming back answered to me in my head, it was being answered by him. And he was like, Ramona, doll, because that's like his voice, his tone. You have everything to lose if you sit there. You have nothing to lose if you get up and fight. You have people counting on you. You're a mother now. You have to see this through. And by having conversations with my grandfather and him giving me the will to fight and remembering how I fought, in a sense, when I was nine years old, to not let everybody break me or not let everybody see that I was sad, I had to do the same thing. I had to keep a happy face for my children, and I basically got up and fought. So my grandfather, since I was little, always gave me my self-worth, always taught me to, like, stand up for myself. Back in the U.S., Ramona vows to pass on the lessons of her childhood to the next generation. Everything that my grandfather had showed me and taught me, I feel like now I passed it on to my children. But most importantly, I show them, you don't need to lie to me. You don't need to not come tell me the truth. You don't need to be scared. I couldn't do that with my situation with my family because I was hiding a family secret that nobody wanted to talk about. I'm open to talk to my children about anything they need to because secrets are sometimes your worst enemies and they could kind of like break what's inside of you and make your mind do tricks on you. I Lived With a Killer comes from the real crime fans at Reels Channel. To find more original programs like this when you watch TV, go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com to find us on your system. You'll also find extras from the TV version of I Lived With a Killer, including tell-all interviews with family members and crime scene photos. You'll get only on Reels Channel.